with that, God bless you all. I'm glad you're here. And um, we are going to get into the first part of the letter to Thyatira. But I want to um, want to share something real quick before I get started. Um, you know, I had a I had a difficult leak week last week as far as I was really searching my heart and, and, and seeking the Lord on, you know, just things that were going on within me and, and having to deal with with stuff. And so, um, you know, I left last Sunday service and I was quite frankly, I was depressed. You know, I was I was depressed. I was, uh, you know, just dealing with some things and. You know, Monday came around and I was still depressed and I was crying out to the Lord. And, you know, it's like I'm driving to work and I'm like, oh, Lord, you know, am I am I am I fulfilling the purpose that you have for my life? That was something that was ringing in my ear. It was like, am I really being effective for Jesus? It's easy to kind of look the left and look to the right. And then you start questioning what you're doing and are you effective for the Lord? And that's where I found myself Monday morning. And that feeling didn't go away Tuesday. I'm, I'm going to work and, and it, it's the same thing. It was, it was just this, this heaviness on my heart about just uh, my own personal circumstances. And there is no besetting sin in my life. But that doesn't mean that I, I, don't, I don't struggle with things. And so, you know, I'm asking the Lord, show me, reveal to me what you want me to do because I just want to honor you in my life. And, 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 and am I supposed to be here? Am I supposed to be in this situation, in this circumstance? Do, am I supposed to be in the Bay Area where it's just so crazy just to, to live and try to make ends meet? And, and, and all these different things were, were floating through my mind. Well, at my work, we've had a client, and I won't say his name for, uh, for privacy purposes, but uh, he, passed, he passed on a couple weeks ago. Uh, he was a client that had been there for 10 years. And it was a freak accident. He was in a hot tub at his parents' house and he drowned. He had a seizure in the hot tub and he drowned. So, you know, we're dealing with that at my work and, you know, condolences obviously to the family and everything. And, uh, you know, the, the mother and the father, they wanted to do something nice for, and I think it's part for them grieving and how they're dealing with it. They wanted to, and they did, they, they bought everyone, um, employees and all clients, from the school program and the adult program, uh, a catered lunch, and uh, his birthday was last week, and so they bought, they brought, uh, you know, cakes, and, and and they wanted everyone to celebrate the memory of their son who had passed away. Well, Tuesday morning, the 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 mother of that that client came into our adult program where I work, and before we were, you know, set to meet with the clients, and she just came in and she said, I just wanted you to know, and she's speaking to everyone who's the staff there. I wanted you to know that. We greatly appreciate what you guys do and the line of work and the fact that you love our children and you care for them and you do the many different things that you do for them and, and you treat them with dignity and respect and, and you honor them the way you do. And when I heard that, you know, I know that that woman wasn't speaking directly to me, but I took that as the Lord showing me uh, you do have purpose. And obviously I know my purpose is with the Lord and I know my purpose is with my family, but I'm saying I'm using that example because you can go to the left and to the right and look at circumstances and look at situations in other people's lives or, or, or be involved in something where, you know, oh, you got offended or you took it the wrong way. And then you start questioning all these things. And the Lord was showing me in that, no, stay where you're at. I have you exactly where you're supposed to be. I strategically put you here, you know, to serve in and out of a church building, in and out of all these sectors of life, and you're, you're to be a blessing to people. And so uh, I was just super motivated by that, understanding like, man, Lord, you give me exactly what I need when I need it. You know, I was mopey, having a pity party, questioning what was going on, and the Lord just revealed this to me through this woman, and, and God bless her for that. And then, uh, you know, yesterday, my wife was like, we kind of had a slow day, and She's like, can you go to storage? I need you to get some hangers. I need you to take some stuff. Some, I have a box. She had a box of uh, you know, cooking sheets and pans that she wanted to put in storage. I said, sure, I'll do it. We had a birthday party we went to later in the afternoon. And so you know, typically I go there and I'll see the gentleman who runs the spot. And you know, I'll, I'll chit-chat with them or whatever, say hi, and then that's it. It's a very um, quiet fella, older gentleman. 
And, uh, you know, the Lord just impressed on my heart when I was going out, you know, when I was about to put in the code and have that sliding, you know, a mechanic door, door, you know, open so I could get out to the street. And I just asked the man how he's doing. And, uh, you know, he said, I'm not doing well. I said, happy Veterans Day. And he said, you know, I'm not enjoying my Veterans Day, my Veterans Weekend. I said, why? I said, oh, you know, I have a relative, April. She's not doing well. She's in the hospital. And then, uh, you know, the Lord just put it on my heart, like, well, share your faith, you know. And I talked to him about Jesus. And uh, it was it was very cool because this man was a believer as well. And then I said, you know, I'll be praying for your, your, uh, your family member, April. He said, oh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And then before I put my foot on the gas, the Lord said, pray for her now. And so I said, you know what? Hold on. <laughs> There's no one else here. Uh, you know, we're not in any hurry. Let me, let me pray for uh, your, your family member. And I prayed for her. And he was greatly appreciative of that. And then the Lord showed me again in that instance, there's opportunity. There's purpose for us right where we're at. The reality is, are we looking for the opportunities that the Lord presents to us? I was just at a storage locker. That's it. But there was a man that was a believer that was down and out and depressed like I was earlier in the week. And yet, because I was obedient to the Holy Spirit, this man's spirit was somewhat uplifted and we shared that bond of the Holy Spirit and we were both obedient in what he called us to do in that moment. So I share those things just because I I pray that that's a blessing to you. I pray that that's an encouragement to you that no matter where you're at today, look for the opportunities to honor Christ and seek his purpose for you. Amen. All right. Uh, We're in Revelation chapter 2, verse uh, 18 down through 21. And first, you know, again, let me say uh, happy Veterans Day. I know it was Thursday, but anyone in here who served or has family members that served in the armed forces, we appreciate what you do, your courageousness by going to the front lines and defending our freedom, which we know is under attack just from spiritual forces uh, now uh, more so than ever. But we appreciate your service and, and you know, we pray for for you and your family. And if there's anything that we can do as the church to help, please let us know. But with that, Revelation chapter 2, verses 18 down through 21. Uh, if you can, please stand for the reading of God's word, and then we'll pray. We'll get into our message. So, okay, starting in verse 18, and it says, And the angel of the church in Thyatira, uh, and to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write, The words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. And this is Jesus speaking. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refused to repent of her sexual immorality. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you that you are in full control. Lord, we uh, are, are grateful that we know you and that you answer prayer and that your desire is for us to be more like your son, Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, that's all that matters. All of these extra little things, all these surface things that we can see really don't mean much at all unless our hearts are changed and transformed. So it's not about this building. We don't care about this building. We don't care about these lights. We don't care about this screen. None of that stuff matters. Lord, what matters, and Michelle had said it earlier as she prayed, it's about our hearts. And Lord, we want our hearts to be directed towards you. We want to hear from you. Lord, you'll speak to us in a parking lot. You speak through animals. You spoke through a donkey to to confound a man. You, You said that the rocks will praise you if humans won't recognize that they were created and made in the moral image of God and that they are meant, we are meant to have fellowship with you. If we don't recognize that and we turn our backs on you, the rocks will cry out and praise you. So, Lord, it's not about all this other stuff. We, we, want to be, we want you to be at the center of what we're doing here today. And we want you to be in full control. So, Lord, would you please speak mightily through your word. You say, 
That's how we seek your will. That's how we know who you are is through your word. It's not through all this other stuff. It's not about this miracle and that miracle. Yes, those things are cool, but it's not about that. If we get lost in miracles and healings, then we fail to realize who's behind the miracles and the healings. We need to know about you through your word. So please speak to us and show us exactly what it is you have for every single one of us today. May our hearts be made right before you so we could receive an intake of the blessing you have. We thank you and love you. It's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen. All right. Um, I'm super uh, excited and enthusiastic about this message just because of, like I said, the things that I had gone through earlier this week and just seeing the Lord just come through time and time again. It's like, it just builds your confidence. It builds you to a place, and this is, it's, it's not a prideful confidence, but it's a confidence in him knowing that you're not lacking. You're not lacking what you need, and he's going to equip you and prepare you for every moment, every circumstance you come into. You can walk freely into it. Um, I will share this one quick last thing because it was, it's something I've never experienced in my life before. I've heard and I've read so many times about the peace of God that passes all understanding. And as I got up this morning super early and just jacked about the, the message and what the Lord was going to do. And, and I just saw my children in the morning and saw my wife. And I just it was it was just crazy because it was like, Lord, if 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 I if I was to die today, I'm OK with that. Like I have peace with like leaving this earth. I'm not holding on to oh, I got to do this and I got to do that, or I want to do all these other things. It's like, no, Lord, I'm, I'm okay with that. Like, I have peace with my life being in your hands. And that, that was, to me, that was something I've never experienced. I've talked about it. I've preached about it. But I've never really, really had that moment where it was like, wow, Lord, like, I really am content in you. And it's not anything that I've done. It's because Jesus has paid the price for my sins and that my debt has been paid. And I can have peace with God knowing that I've accepted his son, Jesus Christ, as my personal savior. And I don't have to work for my salvation. And so that was just, um, that was really cool to just experience and, and understand that that's a reality that we should all be able to say every day, like today, are you, are you at peace with dying today? Are you at peace with that? Or do you have reservations of your life being taken if the Lord calls you home today? That's something that we all have to ask ourselves. All right, today we will begin to look at what Jesus had to say to the church of Thyatira. Now, Thyatira was located in the far west of Turkey, south of Istanbul, and east of Athens. This was yet another church in the area of Asia Minor. Uh, Thyatira was a prosperous trading town, and it was an important location on the Roman road to Pergamos and Laodicea. So it was a staple there, even though Thyatira was not a very big city. You see, the city also had a downside. It was a, it was a host to a major uh, cult of pagan gods, uh, specifically the pagan god Apollo, the son of Zeus. This city was also famous, as many of you Bible uh, students know, uh, famous for dying. It's dying. It was the center of uh, indigo, the indigo trade. Thyatira, which in the Greek language means daughter, got its name in about, what is it, 290 BC in honor of the birth of uh, King Seleucus I's daughter. And that's where that name Thyatira comes from. Thyatira is... The fourth, fourth of seven churches who receive a spiritual eval evaluation directly from God through Jesus Christ. That's kind of a little backdrop on who Thyatira was, the city, and what they were known for, and what was going on there. That'll set the backdrop for our message this morning. We have several main points, and the first one is this. That baby's so cute. That's a great little, that's like a great postcard right there, you know? She was kind of doing the downward dog. That was pretty cool. Um, the first main point is this compromise of any kind hear me out compromise of any kind is deadly you see a false prophetess was leading believers into compromise in the church of Thyatira this is basically what was going on here you see the church was engaged in sexual immorality and they were dabbling in idolatry some in that church must have thought it was okay 
because the culture at large in Thyatira was engaged in this kind of behavior. It was the social norm. It was out of the norm to not involve yourself in debauchery of the source that they were involved in. That's just how we roll, how we roll. That's how they did what they did. It was widely accepted. You see, but the Bible is clear in James chapter 4, verse 4. It says, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And that's a mouthful right there. That is so powerful. And when it's speaking of the world, it's speaking of this world system. The influence that non-believers have, people, people that are secular, that don't want to submit and obey Jesus Christ. He's saying if we want to be friends, meaning not befriending them, trying to share the gospel with them, but saying I incorporate your behavior in mine and I accept wholeheartedly your lifestyle, that I am totally okay with how you live. If we live like that, we are actually enemies of God. We are enemies of God and deserving of His wrath because we're choosing the world over Christ. You see, whenever you and I compromise our integrity in Christ, we open ourselves up to demonic attacks. You see, many times people say, I don't know why these things are happening to me. And and yes, there are many times when you are being faithful and you are being tested and you are being tried for reasons that are building your character in Christ. But there's a whole other situation if you're living. It's all good. No worries. It's a whole other situation if you're living knowingly an ungodly lifestyle, but claiming to be a Christian and wondering what's happening. No, you are reaping what you are sowing. You're sowing seeds of discord and you will reap, unfortunately, the consequences of that. It's one thing to walk with Jesus Christ and know that spiritual attacks will come. We all know this, right? We're not foolish to think you need to count the cost. Now that you've given your life to Christ, you are on the hit list of Satan. You're on his hit list, straight up, especially if you're living an obedient lifestyle. Now, if nothing's happening to you and you don't experience any kind of, you know, man, it's difficult. Oh, this sucks. Oh, this is hard and everything's peachy keen. I would beg to ask, ask the question, are you truly seeking and following the Lord? Because usually what I've come to understand is when the enemy's already got you in his grasp and you're done, he's, you're in the bag, he's not going to mess with you. You're just going to live out your life and indulge in the things you indulge in and that's that. But when you're faithful to the Lord, you are a hindrance to his destruction. And so you will face things that go on in your life because he's trying to get you to be deterred from serving the Lord. You see, but it's a whole other thing to know what can come if we walk in disobedience and yet we still do whatever we want. That's actually testing God. And for these believers here in Thyatira, that's kind of what was going on. They knew better, but yet they were just so enamored. They, they, they compromised their integrity to follow after the ways of Jezebel that now they're proclaiming Christ with their mouth, but yet their actions are showing a totally different thing. And so lovingly, Jesus is coming to them and saying, hey, I see what you're doing, and I need you to do something to correct this, or else it's going to be a bad look for you. We need to be aware of this in our own lives. Today, where do we stand with things? We proclaim Christ, but does our lifestyle reflect truly that we are living for Him? Or are there areas of compromise in our lives? The second main point is this, and this is the hope, and this is the beauty of it. If you are still alive, if you are breathing, which I don't think anyone's a corpse in this room, we all are breathing still. If you are breathing and alive today, there is hope for you in Jesus Christ. If we were a church where someone said hallelujah, that was that's the time right there. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God for the fact that if you're alive today, there is hope. 
You have hope in Jesus Christ. You see, notice that the Lord gives a firm warning to those who are committing adultery with Jezebel. He didn't straight out, you're done, and incinerate them, and they were wiped out. He didn't straight, well, he wasn't going to do it because that's the whole point of the rainbow, but he didn't just eradicate them with a flood. He's, he's giving them a firm warning. You see, at the same time, we see his great patience and mercy in this warning. He stresses the point that they must decide in their own hearts to repent. You see, this is something that you and I have to decide to do. He didn't create us to be robots. He doesn't force us. He gives us a free will. You and I have a choice to choose to see his way as the right way, or we can choose to go our own way. You see, many people say, well, I have the freedom to do this. I have the freedom to do that. Uh, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> you have the freedom. Jesus spoke about it. Paul spoke about it. If it's going to cause someone else to stumble, follow Jesus. Jesus deferred his right. What did Jesus do? Jesus said, here, go get this gold coin out of this fish, Peter. Go pay taxes for me and you. He had the right. He didn't have to pay the taxes. But Jesus, meek, humble, righteous, set the perfect example. See, a lot of what's going on right now in society is a lot of people, a lot of Christians are saying, I have the freedom to do this or not do this. Yet, they're not looking at their master. Would Jesus do that? And it's not a catchphrase. It truly is the truth. We have to seek. What would Jesus do? Am I laying down my rights for my brothers and my sisters? Am I loving my neighbor as myself? Am I praying for my enemies? How many of you can say that, that you're praying for your enemies today? Or are we fighting against it? Are we giving our opinion about what we think should be done and who's not doing the right thing? We had a conversation earlier this morning. Gene Scott said, uh, uh, Charles Stanley's church, they're, they're pretty much all praying for America right now. And that's, that should be the case. The thing is, which the Lord shows me all the time. The speck in my brother's eye or the plank in mine? A lot of times we're so busy nitpicking at all these other people. I don't care if they're in the church or not in the church. How much do we really look introspectively within our own walk with Christ and say, Lord, clean me. Make in me a right heart. For I have a wicked heart that has become selfish and has become opinionated and has become altogether just nasty. How many times have we really sat or are we looking at the TV and looking at this and looking at that and scrutinizing every single thing? You see, when you really come under the understanding of who Christ is, you and I will do far more praying than analyzing and scrutinizing because we understand, man, Lord, my heart. From out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. How is your speech this morning? Behind closed doors. Not here, where it's all, we're supposed to be chummy, but I'm talking about the real you. When nobody's looking. When nobody's looking at me, what am I doing? These are the things that we have to consider. You know, it's going to get awkward up in here. Because the scripture is pointing to repentance. And until we truly repent, you and I are not going to see the manifested power of Jesus Christ in our lives. The Lord made it clear to me. There is purpose. You have the power in you and the Holy Spirit to do mighty things for the Lord in this armpit of a city called Milpitas. We could turn, not we, but used by the Holy Spirit. We could turn this city upside down for Christ. We really can. But are we truly invested in Him? And it starts with the revival within your heart and my heart. And taking that deeper look. We have to. If we truly understand what Christ is saying to us, we have to take that look at ourselves. Every day you and I live is a prime opportunity to repent and get right with God. The Bible is clear in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That stings. I'm going to tell it to you for you right now. It stings me. Man, 
that, do you hear what the scripture says? If you and I say we have no sin, oh, man, we deceive ourselves. And that's what I'm talking about when all this going on in the country, all this going on in these communities, all this stuff going on in the world. I think Gene Scott said it perfectly. We need to be praying for real. I think I'm going to start up something where we need to commit to praying for specific things and start doing that. I, 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 know, I know that we have people here that are pillars. I know, Vicky, I know you got a lot on your plate already, but I know that's somebody that, that comes to mind that can, can, can kind of corral people and, and, and help hold people accountable. We, we, we need to be engaged more. This, all this is not cutting it. It's not enough. And that starts with me. And I take full responsibility for that. But that, this is something that is, is real. And, and, and it's like the Holy Spirit just revealing it to me more and more as I'm up here. Like, you know, we need to, to truly be the church. That verse, 1 John 1, 8, it, it makes it clear that we are to live a lifestyle of a repented heart. It's a lifestyle, folks. It's not a one-off. It's not, oh, I repented two months ago and everything's hunky-dory. Like, if we keep it real... If we're really honest, repentance should be daily. And I'm not being legalistic. I'm not being, I'm not being legalistic. I'm not saying beat yourself and burden yourself. No, 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 I'm not saying that. I've heard it said before, and I believe it's so true. It doesn't say it per se in the Bible, but you can draw that from the text in context. Is the closer you get to Jesus Christ, the more you see how not like Jesus you are. <laughs> and you begin to, to weep and cry out for forgiveness or maybe there are tears of joy because you're thankful that the Lord died for your sins, past, present, and future. And you can experience that joy and that love and that peace like none other right now here on earth. The reality is the more we live, the more we become sanctified. Man, we should, we, should, we should just become more enamored with Christ and that understanding of the grace and the mercy that's given to us. And it should cause us to be moved and cause us to love people. Again, how can we say we love God and we do not love people? You can't. You can't just, I can't just stay in a little bubble and be like, this is it. It's not it. It's not it. We have to love other people if we say we love Christ. Because that's what Jesus did. He loved the people that were unlovable. He loved the people that everyone else despised and hated. Man, doesn't that move you? That moves me. Because people can look at me and be like, dude, who are you, bro? You're nobody. You don't have the right. You don't have the authority. But no, my life counts. Your life counts. Maybe you feel like that today. And you feel like you're overlooked. And you feel like you're not taken serious. Jesus has saved your soul for a specific purpose. It's not only for your, your, your salvation. That, that's, a, that's a given. But he wants to be glorified through you. And he uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. So maybe we should count it a blessing that we are who we are. And we're not, you know, these big so-called people in society, but we, we are just little ants. But you know what? In God's economy, we're, we're blessed and we're great. And we inherit the earth. The meek will inherit the earth is what, is what the, Lord, the Lord's word says. One day we'll be at, you know, the, 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 the feast and the, and, the, and the dinner, the wedding gathering, and, and we're going to reign for a thousand years here on earth with, with Christ and then be in eternity forever with him. It's a beautiful thing. It's something great to look forward to. Amen. You see, this whole lifestyle of repentance and genuine, like, I'm not saying forced. If it's forced, I, I pray that what I'm saying right now is not coming down at you as it's condemnation because it, it, it's not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not trying to condemn you at all. I pray that the Holy Spirit is moving through these words that I'm saying and, and it's clicking. You see, because this lifestyle of repentance is how we come to understand that his mercies are new every morning. Now, there is a hope for you and I as long as you have breath in your lungs. The third main point is this. This is the flip side to uh, someone who has hope and is choosing to repent, who's choosing to see God's ways as the right way and saying, I lay down my, my idea of what I think is right and I'm going to accept yours. An unrepented heart will surely lead to physical and spiritual death. 
You see, Jezebel refused to repent, even after being confronted by God. Her stubborn refusal to see and submit to the power of the living God would lead to her hideous end and death. I'm going to read this little portion of scripture because I think it, it, it would do a disservice not to. So 2 Kings chapter 9, verses 30 down through 37. And it says, when Jehu came to uh, Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it. And she painted her eyes and adorned her head and looked out the window. And as Jehu entered the gate, she said, Is it peace, you, Zimri, murderer of your master? And he lifted up his face to the window and said, who is on my side? Who? Two or three eunuchs looked out at him. He said, throw her down. So they threw her down. And some of, the blood, some of her blood splattered on the wall and on the horses. And they trampled on her. Then he went in and ate and drank. And he said, see now to this cursed woman and bury her. For she is a daughter's king. A king's daughter, excuse me. But then... They went to bury her. When they went to bury her, they found no more of her than a skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. When they came back and told him, he said, This is the word of the Lord, which he spoke by his servant Elijah the Tishbite. In the territory of Jezreel, the dog shall eat the flesh of Jezebel, and the corpse of Jezebel shall be as dung on the face of the field in the territory of Jezreel, so that no one can say, this is Jezebel. What a way to go out. What? Throw you? <laughs> you die, crack your head open. And they're trying to bury you. Dogs come and eat your remains. All you got is some palms and some feet left. That's not good. That's not, you know, I want to die. I'm, I'm, a, I'm like a weenie. I want to die in my sleep. You feel me? I'm trying to just go super peacefully. I'm not trying to see no blood. I'm not trying to feel no pain. I don't want to be drugged with morphine. Just let me go in my sleep. I'll be okay. I don't want to be hooked up to IVs and nick things. I don't even know what's going on in the hospital. You know, I mean, I see my mom going through that all her life. I don't want to be that person. I am so soft when it comes to that. But you see... Anyone knowing the truth but refusing to be corrected and refusing to turn away from their sin and back to Jesus Christ will experience their own form of wrath unleashed upon them. Oh my gosh, that, that just scares me into wanting to live right. I don't want to be having to face Almighty God when I look back and see, oh my gosh, I chose to do all this when I knew better. What do you think you got to look forward to? That's why they talk about Lord willing, we'll get there later in the book of Revelation. These people are crying, ah, oh, the rocks fall on us because they're trying to hide from the glory of God because they know they're wrong. You ever talk to somebody and you try to share your faith and they just are just deflecting every single thing? It's their conscience, they know they're wrong. But they're not at a place where they can accept the truth of them being wrong. And so they, they, they come at you nasty. They shut you down. Anything you try to say, they deflect it. It's because they know in their heart of hearts deep down there's something there. And they're missing it. And they don't got it. That's, that's the word of God. That, that's Jesus. He's so powerful. It's that double-edged sword. It truly cuts to the heart of the situation. You see, the saddest thing is not, not unbelievers who reject God, but the saddest things are those who are so steeped in their sin as believers that they don't even realize that the Lord has slowly removed His hand from upon their lives. That's so sad. Oh, I'm all good. I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. I, I have the power of the Holy Spirit. Remember, we talked about this a couple weeks back, maybe a month back. Your gifts won't get revoked, but the anointing can be revoked any time by the Lord. He can revoke that anointing. If you don't have the anointing of the Lord upon your life, you're powerless. You're just talking. You're just doing stuff. You're just giving this and doing that. But it has no power because the authority of God is not upon your life. Sin will do that to you. Look at Samson. Oh, 
Samson was just, he was just killing everybody with a jawbone of a dog. He was doing all kinds of stuff. That man was, you know, he was a man's man. You know, he was handling it. But his, his unhealthy appetite for uh, sexual lust and, and his, his desire to be with uh, women he wasn't supposed to be with, it was his downfall. And, and, the, and the Lord's anointing was taken away for a season. Yes, he did come back at the end blind and, you know, the pillars and all. But, man, you don't want to go out like Samson. You know, you, you want to have the Lord's hand upon you the whole time. That's what Paul talked about, finishing the race strong. Once you get locked into Christ, that's it. You know, that, that's, I pray that that would continue to be my life. I've already been there, done that. I, I don't ever want to go back to the way I used to live. That's, I'm done. Like I talked about that before. Generational curses, done. My children are not inheriting that from me. They're going to inherit Jesus. And then they're going to have to make the decision when they get old enough and they're held accountable. Are you going to follow Christ or are you going to do your own thing? But Papa didn't raise you to go live in the world and go do all that worldly stuff. No, we don't, we don't allow that. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I don't know if we're even going to get through these three verses. <laughs> all right. Verse 18, here we go. It's all good. I, you know what? It is what it is. Let the Holy Spirit lead. I'm not tripping. All right. And the angel of the church in Thyatira, to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. Okay. I'm not going to go too much in about Thyatira, but again, we know that um, this was actually the, the, the smallest and the least important of the seven cities that Jesus addressed in, in Revelation. Um, in history, we have no record uh, that the Christians in Thyatira suffered any kind of significant uh, political or religious persecution. There's no record of it. Like, they're just like a little, like a little thumbtack thumb, little, little thumb on the map. Kind of like Milpitas. Kind of like this, uh, I'll say it, this armpit. Uh, I haven't smelt the diaper lately. Maybe because it's the fall. And, and the weather's cold. In summertime, you smell that diaper. And we moved back over here off Dixon Landing, so I'm going to smell it at some point. Um, you know, but still, this city, Thyatira, was the center of business and trade. It had many active trade guilds, and each having their own deity from Rome and the, and the, the pantheon gods of that era. So they were heavily involved in this false worship. Acts uh, chapter 16, verse 14 and 15 mentions Lydia of Thyatira. Remember, we all know who she is, who is a seller of purple cloth from the city of Thyatira. Um, Thyatira was famous for the manufacturing of purple dye, and numerous references are found in secular literature of the period to the trade guilds which manufactured cloth. Thyatira possessed more trade guilds than any other town its size in Asia, and that's why it was so... um, it was used a lot and it was ran through intensively, even though it was a small city. Jesus then goes on to describe himself to this church in Thyatira. He says, uh, you know, saying to the son of God, whose eyes are like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass, brass, excuse me. Jesus describes himself with a title that emphasizes his deity in Jewish thought to be the son of a thing meant you had the nature of that thing. Um, in Isaiah chapter 57, verse 3, the, the sons of the sorcerers, right? They had the nature of those sorcerers because they were linked by blood like that. Um, in Mark chapter 3, verse 17, the sons of thunder, they had the nature of thunder. That's why they were titled that. That's why they were given that title. So the son of God has the divine nature of God. His eyes like a flame of fire. Revelation chapter 1, verse 14 it emphasized the idea that Jesus' eyes look with penetrating judgment. Again, I mean, just the physical sun, right? We're fools to look blindly into the sun without any kind of protective, uh, protective covering over our eyes because we'll burn our retinas out. We'll burn our eyes out. We won't be able to see. You can't look at the physical sun long like that. Much like Jesus, in all of his glory, eyes of a flame of fire, the penetrating look of Christ, judgment, being able to see clearly what is going on, you know, 
That's what we see in Christ in this description right here. And then his feet like fine brass. Jesus chose this description of himself from Revelation chapter 1, verse 15, again, to emphasize his purity because brass back then was pure and it was highly refined in fire. It also emphasized his steadfastness because brass was the strongest known metal in the ancient world. And his feet like fine brass would be strong and unmovable. And to this day, we know that our God never changes. That's, in, that's a beautiful thing, a beautiful reminder that no matter this topsy-turvy world that we live in, you don't have to worry about the economy, you don't have to worry about the politics, you don't have to worry about this mandate, that mandate, because things may change, but our God stays the same, he never changes. And that's why we need to take our marching orders from him, not from some man, not from some government. And, and that's not to be rebellious. That's to honor God first in all your dealings. Amen. All right. Revelation chapter two, verse 19. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I know your works, your love and your faith and service and patient endurance. It's like he's flattering them. And that your latter works exceed the first. This is all good stuff that Jesus is saying. He's saying, I know. You see, again, this was the least significant city amongst the seven, yet nothing was hidden to Jesus. Jesus saw clearly what went on with them. Like each one of the churches, Jesus said to the church in Thyatira, I know, I know your works. The application is this. This should be a sober warning to us as well. We should never think that our thoughts, our intentions are ever hidden from God. He knows everything that we're thinking and that we're doing. If we're not being right, he knows it. If our motives are crooked, he knows it. And he's probably convicting us, like, get right, do that. Because you don't have a clear motive. You don't have a right heart in why you're doing it. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 10 tells us, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. You see, there are so many rewards that will be given in heaven. But we're going to be given reward based upon our motive, and what we do with the time that we're given. Love, service, faith, and your patience, speaking of the church in Thyatira. In many ways, the church here was a model church. I mean, they had four great essential qualities. One, they had love, both to the Lord and to one another. That's a beautiful thing. That's, that's, one, that's something that a church desperately needs. We need to love Jesus. We need to love people. Uh, two, they knew service, so they didn't have any problems serving. They were quick to serve. They were quick to, to, to get dirty, and they weren't worried about it. They weren't looking for an attaboy. They just knew that this is what we're supposed to do. They had a heart for service. Three, they had faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So they're, they're winning in that area, right? It's looking like, man, Thyatira, you're on fire for the Lord. And four, they had patience were worth mentioning. Patience is very difficult, <laughs> Patience is so hard. I need so much patience with my children. I'm getting better. But it's like, man, Lord, I need that patience. You know, I can't be driven to get ah, over any little thing. It's just ridiculous. But they had all these qualities. And he says, he goes on and says, as for your works, the last are more than the first. This was another compliment to the church at Thyatira. Not only did they have these works, but in them they were increasing in measure. They were growing in love. They were growing in service. They were growing in faith. They were growing in patience. The application is this. The Christian life is not stagnant. It's not, oh, I got saved in 1976. Well, well great. What have you done since then? I mean, nothing really. I'm part of a Parcheesi group on Wednesday nights. <laughs> it's like, it, it's got to be more to it than dating 30 years ago what you used to do. I'm dating myself on Parcheesi. We used to play that back in the day. I, Emily, she don't even know what Parcheesi is. I was like, what is that? Is that some kind of bread? <laughs> yeah, it's a board game. It's an old school board game. Um, but, you know, <laughs> it's not stagnant. We should be constantly growing. You see, like a plant or a tree, there will be growth spurts. Many times as plants and trees bloom and blossom, uh, they get to a certain point of growth where it seems like by the naked eye, it doesn't look like they're growing anymore, but they're still growing. And if it's a plant or a tree that's bearing fruit, they're still bearing fruit, right? It doesn't look like it, but they're bearing fruit. They're doing things. The same can be said of us as Christians. You see, we may think just because we know basic doctrine that we aren't growing anymore or that we don't need to grow. Some people are like, I'm content with Jesus Christ is Lord. You saved my soul. 
I'm good. I got my get out of hell pass and I'm going to just go ahead and be about my business and I'm going to wait to get called to go to heaven. There's many Christians that live like that. They don't want anything to do with anything else other than the fact that Jesus loves me. Again, like we said, yes, this is right, but it needs to extend this way to people. You can't say I'm a real Christian, but it's like, dude, I don't like anybody. I don't want to be around any person. I want to be left alone. I want to be on my computer. <laughs> I, want to, I want to watch the TV. Don't talk to me. You got families like that where they're just like, don't be by me. What you get married for? Don't be by you. Who am I supposed to be by? Got kids and they don't even want to be by their kids. That is so sad. Be by those kids. You know, as mad as I get at my, my son sometimes, it's like, dude, he's a boy. Let him be a boy. Let him run around and get dirty and just wild out. He's a boy. That's what he's supposed to do. You know, not, not, not be, you know, hindered by all those things. But we, we need to be those that are growing. You see, the truth is we should and always be growing in Christ. Amen? We should. All right. Last two verses. I didn't think we were going to get through this. That's, that's the Holy Spirit. That's so crazy because I was going on and on and on. And it's like, all right, cool. I took Lou's advice. Little chunks. <laughs> little, little chunks. Because this, this is not a southern church. I know y'all don't want to be here for no four hours and then have lunch and then come back later at six. Uh, we just don't get down like that in northern California, I guess. But we're still Christians. <laughs> we just do it a little different. Christ is still the center. Amen. All right, Revelation chapter 2, verses 20 and 21, it says, But I have this against you, this is Christ speaking obviously again to the church, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refused to repent of her sexual immorality. Mm. You know... I don't. I just pray. I don't. I don't want to hear that when when it, when it really counts, right? When it's all said and done, and we go to meet the Lord. I don't want to hear. I just. Pray, I don't want to hear Jesus tell me, "Nevertheless, keeping." Oh, that's so crushing. Nevertheless, Lord. Oh, that means you. That means you're going to be negating everything else you just said. <laughs> Despite all the good that Jesus saw in the church at Thyatira, there were significant problems. And the problems were big enough for Jesus to say, nevertheless, which means despite all the good, I have some things against you. He says, because you allow that woman Jezebel. You see, the center of the corruption in the church at at, at Thyatira was a woman Jesus called Jezebel. This may not have been her literal name, but it was a title that clearly represented a self-styled prophetess within the church after the pattern of Jezebel in the Old Testament. You guys can read about it, that in First and Second Kings. The name Jezebel had a powerful association. Think about it. If we were to call someone today Judas or Hitler, that's something strong. I mean, and when I was in the world... You know, I remember, you know, some of my buddies, they, you know, they would mess around and they would call somebody they don't like. That, that fool's a Judas. If that fool's a snitch, if he's a rat, that person's a Judas. You know, even ungodly people know what Judas means. You don't associate someone with that kind of, kind of name. It's not good. That's like uh, with this, you know, a strong name calling someone a Jezebel. No one names their daughter Jezebel. They don't. I would never name my daughter Jezebel. Ooh, that's crazy. Or Delilah. I'm not naming my daughter Delilah. What's associated with those names is not good stuff. And, you know, heaven forbid, I'm not trying to bash on anyone who may be named Delilah. They might have a great character, you know. It's just they happen, they just got a bad name that their parents gave them for whatever reason. But we know that there's associations to these names, and names have meanings, right? There's power in names and what are, were meant by the, the parents that gave the, the, the children or the babies these names. Based on this, some think that Jezebel was either the pastor's wife or that Jesus meant Jezebel was the pastor's woman in a symbolic sense. But we see a lot of this going on within the church today, don't we? We really do. You see, many are quick to put lesbians as pastors within their churches in the name of equal rights and diversity. This is happening here. But that is only a cloak that covers their true motive. And their true motive is an all-out attack on Jesus Christ himself and his order of creation. An example is Megan Roeder. Many of you probably have heard the name. 
She is a San Francisco Lutheran pastor, the first openly transgender person ever to become a bishop in a major United States Christian denomination. If there's not something deadly wrong with that, I don't know what is. And I'm not attacking her, but I'm attacking her stance and what she's doing within the church. It's not right. It's not okay. We know that there's an order to operation. Men and women are equal, separate in function. I can't have babies. I have a certain function. My wife has a certain function. Within the church, men and women have certain functions. Paul spoke about it. I don't see in the Bible anywhere where it says that women should pastor over men. Paul said women are not to be teaching over men. Women are to teach over women and over children. Men are supposed to teach over the whole entire church because there's an order. People don't like that. You're sexist. You're a bigot if you stand up and say that. Well, I'm a bigot and a sexist and I got a beard. I don't care. That's how I feel about the situation. I'll go back to that. Yes, if you can. God gave men follicles in their face to grow facial hair. It's part of showing that you're a man and not a woman. My wife was talking about there was someone in, what is it, Body Works or something yesterday. And the person that was helping her, the patron, is that what they call, they're called? The patron. Yeah, they had a mask on. You clearly see that's a woman. But this woman have facial hair like me. <laughs> it's like, you're, and this is the common, oh, I'm transitioning. Okay, so you're transitioning from a woman to being a man. And that's okay. And like I said, I'm not trying to bash. The bottom line is we need to be praying for these folks. We need to be praying that Christ would convict hearts and that they would see the error in their ways. This is not, this is not nothing new under the sun. All you have to do is go to Romans chapter 1 and see. You know, we, we've, <laughs> we've been there as humanity before, but it's so widespread. And I'm not trying to harp on that. But again, I use this woman as an example in San Francisco because this is in our own backyard. This is where we live. You know, people other places, they think of the Bay Area and they're like, there ain't no real churches there. You got to be brave. You got to be bold to come here from out of state and plant a church. But we desperately need it. <laughs> That's what Jesus did. He went to the wickedest places and he would pour into people because he knew that, man, these people are spiritually sick. They need love. They need me. Speaking of Christ, they need him. This is where we're at. So I'll go back to purpose. You're alive today. You're in the Bay Area. Yeah, you're probably paying a whole lot on your mortgage. And you know, maybe you're just living in an apartment because it's so stinking expensive. But until the Lord calls you out of here, do what you do with honor and grace and dignity and serve the Lord. Because there's people around you that need Jesus or they're going to go to hell. And this is a twisted area we live in. A lot of cats won't make it out here being a Christian. If you can make it, you can make it as a Christian in the Bay Area. You can go anywhere and be a Christian. I believe that truly, because it's so easy to compromise because everyone else is doing it and say, "Oh, it's all good." And like I said, I'm not being legalistic. I'm not being like, "Oh yeah, well you can't do this and can't do that." No, you just got to stick to the script, stick to the scriptures, live a life full of love for Jesus, and don't let your life get snuffed out by all these other crazy, whacked out things going on around you. All right, let me get back on track. Because we are going to end on time. Who calls herself a prophetess? This Jezebel at the church of Thyatira, she wasn't really a prophetess. She only claimed to be one. Yet it seemed that the Christians there received her as a prophetess. And that is why Jesus gave them this warning. The application is this church. Do not be deceived. Get in or stay in your Bibles daily. As believers, we become deceived when we fail to get God's word deep in our hearts. You see, it's truly up to you and I whether or not we will become deceived. Jesus said that this would happen in Matthew chapter 24, verse 11. He said then, many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. They'll deceive many. We only become deceived because we don't know the word. If you know the word, you're not going to be deceived. You're going to be like, I spot that out. That's whack. That's whack. That's whack. That's right. That's like, that's what Jesus said. This other stuff, I'm no, I'm not subscribing to that. It's not, I'm not going to allow it to speak into my sphere of influence and influence my life. But you see, but we, we've become so non-backbone-ish within the church that we just let anything slide. We're so afraid of saying no. Why? Say no. If it's the right thing to do, say no. Stand up for truth. 
Don't just let people barrel down on you and try to make you feel bad because you're saying it's not okay. I'm not going to subscribe to that. I'm not going to say that I'm accepting that. It's, it's not. Jesus wouldn't allow it. We shouldn't either. We're his representatives here on earth. We are part of this remnant that is still living a life of integrity in Christ. We don't have to be fearful. We know the outcome. But it's, it, it amazes me how sometimes I get fear. What am I fearing? What am I afraid of? He didn't give you or me a spirit of fear. He gave us a spirit of ultimate power and authority in the, in the person of the Holy Spirit. We should know that, believe that, trust in that. And then obviously, you know, wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove. Don't bash on people, but, you know, be wise about how you deal with people. And you don't have to give in to everyone's whim, but you don't. You also need to be shrewd in your dealings with people. Right. We do. We really do. But be blameless in how you come across to them. Jesus says to teach that this prophetess teached and seduced my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols. Okay. He's going on to speak of the sin of this woman, Jezebel. Mainly, she was immoral and ungodly in her influence on others, and that led others into sin. Jezebel led others into immorality and idolatry. The whole thing about the trade guilds back in Thyatira, um, this was common because if you wanted to sell, you had to be a part of these guilds. And these guilds, that's where they practiced all this sexual immorality. So it's like you're going to get blackballed if you don't abide by what they are saying is okay to do. And so that's what was going on here. That's why we see this strong this stronghold within the church because many were sellers of these goods and they needed the guilds to be able to sell their goods. Um, Jezebel, she allowed or encouraged men to go and perhaps even use a prophetic word, and that's how people fell into idolatry. It wasn't a good thing. Um, the application is this. I know a lot's going on with all this and that about face covering, this, not face covering. You know, I, I'm tired of it too. I'm tired of it. You know, I think everyone's tired of it. But I wouldn't call this bearing our cross and we're being heavily, severely persecuted by the government. They haven't told me I cannot worship Jesus Christ in this building. The minute Santa Clara County tells me I cannot worship Jesus Christ openly, oh, it's to the wall with anything they say. This is just a segue to something that's going to be so more intense. And I've said it before. Some people, some Christians are going to be wishing all they had to do was decide, what, do I want to wear a mask? Do I not want to wear a mask? You know, we've got a lot going on. You can't go in Costco without a mask. You can't go in all these stores without a mask. It is what it is, but it's going to get way deeper than that. This is nothing. This is kitty play compared to what's going to happen in some time in the future. And so the reality is, what are we going to do when the government openly tells you and me, you cannot worship Jesus Christ, there's going to be consequences. What are we going to do? Are we going to fold and say, well, I'm going to denounce Christ because now you're telling me I can't do it. Or are we going to stand with integrity and say, no, the Lord, my God is my God. I'll render to Caesar what's Caesar's and I'll render to God what's God. And my soul is God's and I will not bow down to your authority because what you're telling me is not correct. It does not line up with Scripture. We must keep our integrity in Jesus Christ regardless of the consequences you and I will face. Then he goes on to say, my servants, this shows how terrible Jezebel's sin was. This is how bad it really was. You see, because she corrupted the servants of Jesus Christ, the ones who belong to him. Mark, this is very strong. This is, this is a severe warning to anyone who dabbles in anything like that with the believer. Mark chapter 9, verse 42. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Don't mess with God's people. <laughs> you should don't mess with God's people. It's just not going to be a good look. You see, later on in this letter, Jesus would also reveal a link to the whole work of Jezebel and the false doctrine. Uh, that's later on in, in uh, Revelation uh, chapter 2, verse 22. It seems that this Jezebel led others in the church to discover, to discover excuse me, the depths of Satan. The application is this. We must be aware 
of those who would like nothing more than to pull us away from God. We must guard against those attacks. You see, many times they are so subtle and subductive that if you, that if you and I are not walking closely to Jesus Christ, we'll be deceived. I heard a message this morning, and uh, this pastor, Michael Youssef, he's a great pastor out in Atlanta, and he's talking about um, the dangers of Scientology. And he's talking about, you know, Tom Cruise and, you know, the whole vanilla sky. If you're not aware, there was so much indoctrination in that movie about the whole Scientology. And I'm not going to get into what the Scientologists believe, but it's just, it's, it's a joke. It's not good. It's all based on science fiction and some whole nonsense. But, you know, the whole thing behind it is the, 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 the founder of Scientology basically believed you got to influence all of the artists, all of the musicians, because those are the dreamers and those are the ones that you need to affect. And, you know, they charge hundreds of thousands of dollars to get to these levels. And it's like, man, Jesus Christ died for my sins for, for free. It cost him everything, but it's free for me. I'm not paying you $10,000 to tell me how to be free in my mind. Talking about I was reincarnated so many times and that's why I got paid. I mean, these things are so convoluted. But you see what goes on with people that are lost. They're searching for peace, but they're deceived because they don't know the truth and, 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 and the depths of Satan. You know, these believers here, they probably thought to be effectively confronting Satan. We must enter into these strongholds and learn the depths of him who conquers us. And that's exactly the wrong thing to do. That's like you don't study the counterfeit bill. You study the real thing. Those in government that can find counterfeit bills, they don't spend time looking at the fake bills. They look at the real bills so they can identify the fake ones when they come. We need to be focused on Christ. You see, people get off into all kinds of things and, oh, I'm studying about the occult so I can know about Satan, so I can be aware when the attacks. That is the wrong thing to do. You are going to get mixed up in all kind of madness. Don't mess with Ouija boards. Don't play with that stuff. Don't spend hours on YouTube watching videos about all kind of nonsense craziness. Get in the word of God. Because those things aren't going to give you peace at night at 2 in the morning when you're trying to sleep. You're going to be all messed up thinking about all that garbage you done put in your mind. You know? I only say that because I've been there, done that, and I'll never mess with that stuff again. I'm not going to go finding about all these fables and this and that. I don't need that. I need to know who Christ is, the defender of my faith, who's going to protect my soul and know him to a level where it's like that stuff doesn't even bother you anymore. You're just like, no, I just I don't subscribe to it. Okay, lastly, he says, I gave her time to repent and she did not repent. You see, Jesus's great accusation was that this Jezebel did not repent. She apparently rejected the work of the Holy Spirit in her heart, calling her to repentance. In these words, we see both the mercy and judgment of our Lord. Time to repent shows mercy. God gives us time to repent. We should deal with ourselves and others the same way. But she didn't repent. This speaks of the judgment of God. God gives time to repent, but it's not an unlimited time. Genesis chapter 6 verse 3 tells us, Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, in, for, in, for he is flesh. His days shall be numbered to 120 years. This means that when God gives us time to repent, we must take advantage of that time. And then he goes on and says, Because you allow. This shows the sin of the church in Thyatira. That on the outside, they look like the model church, showing works, love, service, uh, faith, and patience. Yet there was a significant corruption within the church workings. You see, the sin of the church was that they allowed this corruption to continue. The application is this, and we talked about it last week. It wasn't necessarily a large group following Jezebel, but a little leaven affects the whole lump of dough. If a few immoral people are involved in idolatry within the church, they're going to corrupt the whole church. Straight up, that's what's going to happen. If it does not get dealt with, if it doesn't get nipped in the bud, if it doesn't get eradicated and brought to the attention so people can pray over people and it get brought to light, it's going to destroy the church. Especially if they influence other people to do what Jezebel was doing. May we be aware of our situations and always take every thought captive making them submit to the authority of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, I, I know that <clears throat> this message wasn't easy. This message wasn't easy to hear. 
Lord. But it, sometimes it, it's, it's like that, Lord. Your, your word is cutting. Your, war, your word is, is true. And, and, and it's because you love us, Lord. It's like medicine. Nobody really likes taking medicine because <laughs> it doesn't taste good. Lord, but its effects, they do good later on. And so we pray, Lord, that as your word has already been spoken, Lord, as your word's gone out, it's not going to return void. I pray for the hearts, all that have uh, ears to listen, that they truly would hear what your word has to say, myself included, and that we would allow the Holy Spirit to do that work within us to change us so we can be better, so we can be better representations of your son, Jesus Christ, so we could have more peace and more joy. That way we can share that peace and joy with others around us. May we be effective in this area that we live as we know that there's so much uh, just you know, just, just so much ungodliness within our culture. Lord, and we want to be those that live for you and honor you despite what's going on around us. So would you give us the ability to stand firm in the midst of opposition? And would we continue to look to you for all the things we need? Father, we thank you and we love you. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen.